sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Number two of the early line is live on Sports Grid. I am Kevin Walsh. joined, of course, by Donnie Wrightside. And it's time to take a look at the latest around Juan Soto, the Washington Nationals superstar outfielder that we believe will be moved within the next coming days here as the trade deadline is approaching in Major League Baseball. And the report over the weekend is that the St. Louis Cardinals are to believed the potential frontrunner. At least if you were to give anybody that status, it seems like the Cardinals would have earned it. The big reason here is not only do the Cardinals have some young prospects that certainly seemingly have caught the eye of the Washington Nationals, but it is also that they have ready-made major leaguers that are still young and are enticing. Nolan Gorman, Brendan Donovan, Tyler O'Neill, Dylan Carlson. These are all names that the Nationals believe, I think at least, Donnie, they can bring into their ball club and know they're going to get legitimate contribution. What do you make right now the idea that the Cardinals are in the driver's seat for Juan Soto? It makes sense because they do have a handful of guys that sort of toggle between that AAA and Major League Baseball status, which means they've had a taste and some success at the Major League level. Because how many times do we see these big market trades go down? You say, we got four of their best prospects from single A to double A to triple A, never played Major League Baseball. What are you hoping on that point, Kevin, that one of them becomes a Major League Baseball player? Well, at least in this instance, if you are looking from a Nationals perspective, you can get a nice mix here. Let's get some guys that we think are high-level prospects that we think have a bright future in Major League Baseball. And at the same time, let's take a look at some of these 22, 23, 24-year-olds that are just breaking into Major League Baseball and having some success. Also, the organization is strong enough, Kevin, in its lower levels that one of the key components also from a Cardinal standpoint is what's probably going to take place for the Nationals with a wholesome hostage yeah you can get Juan Soto we want two or three prospects but you're taking Patrick Corbin from us who I think is due to make up close mm-hmm. to 60 million dollars over the next two seasons they're saying the Cardinals organization is strong enough and prospect rich that they can offer up them and not have to take back a Patrick Corbin deal because let's also take a look at why they're saying include Patrick Corbin it's going to be a complete rebuild here for the Nationals. But if you're the team taking it, so you say, well, why don't we just take Patrick Corbin to get Soto? Well, if you're going to be paying a guy $30 million a year for two years and not having that great of, you know, the past two seasons for Corbin, that's an albatross type of contract. But remember this, even though Juan Soto is making, what, I think $17 million this year, next year, whatever it is with arbitration, He's not coming to your ball club, Kevin, to say, great, let's play this out. And your organization is not saying, like, hey, yeah, let's trade everybody for a year and a half maybe of Juan Soto, and he's going to be unhappy because he's not getting paid. So you're going to take that Corbin contract of $60 million or so over two years, and then all of a sudden pay Juan Soto $35 to $40 million a year? That really jacks mm-hmm. up your payroll here. So you have a lot of prospects. You can afford not to take back an albatross contract like Patrick Corbin, which some organizations might have to do if they want Juan Soto. Which obviously then is a a boost for both sides, though, because that means the Nationals are getting back a, a yeah. lot of what they're looking for. And then, of course, it keeps the Cardinals a little bit 
more flexible throughout. Right now, the St. Louis Cardinals, the 12th most payroll in baseball. But again, perspective, that's $160 million. The Mets are second at essentially $260 million. So St. Louis has that wiggle room there. Our radio audience is here on this Monday morning. Kevin Walsh and Donnie Wrightside talking about the potential Juan Soto landing spots on Sirius X7 Channel 159. The Cardinals are jumping off of the page. This is the thing to me, though, with St. Louis that's very interesting. If they're able to get this done, and assuming that the topic and the their talking point doesn't turn to, oh, they've torn down their baseball team. There's nobody left. It's just Goldschmidt, Arenado, and Soto, although that doesn't even sound that bad <laughs> in its nature. Do you start to buy into St. Louis long-term? Their rotation doesn't pop off the page. Wainwright, Michaelis, Matz is injured. Hudson banged up a little bit. Polante is not a guy you're really looking to give the ball in a postseason set there. Is is there a world that this team trades for Juan Soto and then we're saying, okay, can you now make one more move and try and bring in a starting pitcher? Yeah, that's the only sense of it too, right? Because if you're that deep, you're going to be giving up a lot of prospects here if you get Juan Soto. But you still should have enough ammunition to say, Kevin, we don't need a number one or a number two. Let's get like a solid number three here because we want to see how the rest of the season plays out because I'm not sold. I know you aren't on the Milwaukee Brewers just walking away apparently with this division. So now if you're going to take a look at in the middle of that lineup, who are you pitching to here? I mean, Goldschmidt's the MVP right now. Two home runs yesterday, even though the St. Louis Cardinals lost and he's not going to be playing this weekend. Nolan Arenado is one of the best third basemen in the history of the game, fielding-wise, and also adds pop at the plate. And you mix in Juan Soto right in the middle of that lineup with a couple other guys like a Tommy Edmond. That's a really good roster overall. But I agree with you. You make the move for Juan Soto. You don't just say, hey, fans, we did this for you. You're actually looking to win and win now. So it does make sense to make some moves at the deadline as well. Yeah, the other team I feel like you're seeing some other reporters really put their name behind is the San Diego Padres. The most enticing part, I think, of the potential Padres link up there is not just the fact that you have to respect this team sitting underneath the Dodgers, never being scared off from wanting to be competitive at a legitimate level. What really, I, I the idea that you will have Soto and Tatis there for, you know, over a decade of baseball has to be enticing to the San Diego Padres. We will continue to monitor this situation, but let's get you an update on Kevin Durant and the Boston Celtics. That's next right here on the early line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in here to the early line, Monday morning, July 25th, 2022 NFL training camps full blast this week. Just had some fun talking about where the possibilities Juan Soto will end up in Major League Baseball by trade. But we've been waiting for a while here, Kevin. We've been sitting back, biding our time from a few Thursdays ago where Kevin Durant said, I no longer want to play for the Brooklyn Nets. Whoa, the world is ours now. Where does KD go? Where is he going to mix and match? Who is he going to go up against? Who are the leaders? Which we got within the first few hours. And then silence. Radio silence for about a week and a half. And Woj, in the middle of the night, Kevin, says, you know what? Phones are ringing right now. The Boston Celtics and the Nets. 
counter move. I don't like this. What would you like? How can we get this move done? Give me your initial thoughts on waking up this morning to what we thought might have been a Woj bomb, but was it really? It's tough to say, though, maybe Shams added enough to really bring this thing full circle. You see the, the news that the Celtics have emerged as another team in the mix. And the initial takeaway is it makes sense because they have the pieces you would think to get the deal done. And the Boston Celtics are a team that has been hungry for a championship. They've been waiting to move on a championship. Constantly rumored deal after deal after deal. That was Danny Ainge's thing. He's now in Utah acquiring all the picks he can in the world again. The Celtics maybe looking to level up. I do think my initial read from just a Woj report is the Celtics are another team on the list with Phoenix, Miami, and Toronto as I guess they became the fourth mainstay of the conversation. To me, though, that Shams report came over the top a little bit. Boston makes a legitimate offer. Well, they made an offer for Jalen Brown, Derek White, and a draft pick. Now, that's laughable that they offered up a draft pick. I don't know if that's them wondering if they can get one over on Sean Marks or just starting at the kind of bottom rung and then seeing how things develop. But what the Shams report did tell us is that the Nets are starting to counter. And one thing they're really after, I'm sure, along with way more draft capital, is Marcus Smart being included in this deal. Now, here's the interesting part of what you said, the counter, because when it comes out a few weeks back on that Thursday when we're doing, you know, a live radio show right here on the grid, Moneyline, we said to ourselves, all right, looks like he's on the move. He wants out and looks like the Nets are going to say, you know what, let's put cooler heads prevail here. Let's ship him out of town, but let's get the best possible deal we can. And then over those, you know, week to week and a half periods, you didn't hear much going on. And there's sort of been those rumors that said, hey, you know what, he's got four years left in Brooklyn. Brooklyn will be just as happy to keep him here and maybe mend those fences with Kevin Durant. And I think the interesting part that was just brought up there was this wasn't the Boston Celtics reached out, uh, got a hold of Shams, got a hold of Woj, put this one out there. We really want Kevin Durant. We're starting with Jalen Brown. We'll add some pieces here. We picked up the phone and we offered that trade package. And that said, absolutely not. We're not trading him. Goodbye. But the key word there was they declined. which like, okay, they don't want to trade him. No, 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 no. They countered back with probably something outlandish, which says, you know, you're going to have to include a few more players and a few more draft picks before we even start to entertain this. But the key word here, Kevin, is entertain. So if I'm asking you today, we look at the trade markets here for Kevin Durant. He's getting moved, right, before opening day? Not a doubt in my mind. See, the one thing that will go under-discussed likely, but not here, from this morning, the pair of reports is both Woj and Shams made a point to mention that Kevin Durant has been unchanged in his desire to be moved out of Brooklyn. Despite all the posturing that they've tried to do, they you can, fi- you can fill in the blanks whomever you want to associate that to. That KD's going to come back, the Nets are going to stand pat, that Kyrie's ready to be back in Brooklyn. Nonsense the entire way. KD asked out. He's not then he's gonna run back around and say, never mind. I I was just annoyed you didn't pay Kyrie and then be back, even though they haven't paid Kyrie. It's nonsensical. And that to me, Donnie, is maybe the biggest takeaway from all of this there. I do genuinely believe the Celtics through all of this might have emerged 
as the new favorites for Kevin Durant. But I think above that, even you could argue the simple fact now that the Kevin Durant trade is coming because he's not going back to Brooklyn. Now, also, if we don't think he's going back to Brooklyn now, we're the smoke, as we like to say, there is fire. So if the Boston Celtics are hot on the heels of acquiring Kevin Durant, this has to send those smoke signals even higher into the sky for teams like the Miami Heat, the Golden State Warriors, and the Phoenix Suns. If we were just simmering on the back burner going like, yeah, we offered, let's just say the Miami Heat offered a couple players, the Suns and the Golden State Warriors, even if they were looking on the outside end, Eh, what's it probably going to take here? If you were a Suns organization or a Miami Heat organization that really wanted Kevin Durant, and now you hear Kevin in the middle of the night, the Celtics are going back and forth with the Brooklyn Nets in order to make a deal. Does that put a sense of urgency now behind the Miami Heat and the Phoenix Suns or the Golden State Warriors where maybe they were hanging a player back that they will include? Because also the second part of this question is, Kevin, do we see movement here in the Durant? Are we like 24, 48 hours away mm. from Kevin Durant being moved? Because now players and teams are now getting serious. I wonder if the next domino needs to be KD is open to Toronto or Boston. I still wonder if we need to cross that bridge, but let me let me kind of attack what you're saying there. The Phoenix, If the Phoenix Suns have not given their best offer imaginable for Kevin Durant... They're out of their minds. We know KD will play there. The Nets are willing to play ball. I imagine Phoenix has given them their best, and it's not good enough. The Miami Heat, have they offered up their best? That maybe is a little more complicated because of the Adebayo-Ben Simmons conundrum, if you will. If they bring Bam Adebayo into Brooklyn, Ben Simmons needs to be shipped out. That is not the case with the best offer the Phoenix Suns can put on the table. I'm not sure what Miami has done. Here's what I do know. Toronto has been going about this where they feel like they somehow have all of the leverage. Or they don't really care whether or not they come away with Kevin Durant. A combination, perhaps, of the two. But if we find out, Nani, within the next 24 hours, KD is open to Boston. Loves what Jason Tatum brings to the table. The same way he views Devin Booker is how he views Tatum. Has a relationship with Ime Udoka. He thinks it'd be a good fit. That is when Toronto stops the, listen, can we get the OG Ananobi, Gary Trent Jr. and two picks conversations that they've been having? The whole, we won't trade Scotty Barnes. We won't trade Scotty Barnes. Or at the minimum, we find out if that is true. Because now if you're the Toronto Raptors, not only is there a potential that this Kevin Durant deal is going to get done and you're not going to get him, but the team that won the East is going to bring in Kevin Durant. So that becomes a very interesting situation now to see if it puts a bit of a fire on Toronto, who's been really slow playing this entire thing. Now, if we have to take a look at the odds market here at the FanDuel Sportsbook to win an NBA championship next season, I look right now at the Brooklyn Nets at 12-1. to 1. You know what the signal's in the middle of the night? That they're open for business on trading Kevin Durant. If Tre Kevin Durant moves on from Brooklyn, they're no longer in that top shelf here of trying to win an NBA championship. So I expect that number from 12 to 1 to absolutely tumble. But let's talk about if this move does get made, Kevin, here, to the Boston Celtics. They sit at 5-1 to 1 at the FanDuel Sportsbook. Where does that number wind up? I think it has to be cut in half. You know, you don't have to agree that they should be plus 250, but we talk about what is going to happen, and I think moving down to plus 250 is possible. At least 
three to one. They're currently the favorite, just so people know that five to one number, that is what it has been for a while. There is no Kevin Durant anticipation on that Boston Celtics number. And the best indicator, by the way, is probably the number you run up the Nets 12 to one number. That's the KD might be back number. That Boston Celtics number, I think, cut in half if they ultimately land Kevin Durant. Hot summer weather, hot heating, trade market heating up here. This is fascinating stuff to watch out. When will Kevin Durant move? Could it be in the next 24 to 48 hours? We'll soon find out, but it's time to talk to Major League Baseball. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Major League Baseball preview time right here on the early line. It all begins with Marlins Reds. You want to talk about a barn burner, folks? How about how about Lodolo versus Rogers? Look, we got ourselves a total of a nine. It doesn't need to be superstars or great teams to provide value on a board. And this is the earliest game that will be getting underway. What are you doing here with Cincy and Miami? Yeah, trying to take a look at some totals in this game. So if we match it up, just my simple notes here, the right-handed bats versus Rodgers. And why does that make some sense? Because you're right. This isn't a barn burner game by any means, but it doesn't mean that you can't make money in these type of situations. And also Miami, Kevin, at Cincinnati, not Cincinnati at Miami, also makes a big deal. Now, if we look at the lineup overall, the only left-handed batter anticipated today for those Cincinnati Reds is Joey Votto in the four-hole here. Everybody else should be from the right-hand side. Now, not great hitters here, Kevin. So we have like Drury at 472, weighted on base percentage over the past 30 days against lefties. Uh, Tommy Pham, 369. Nick Senzel, 497. So some decent guys, but a lot more of these guys below that 325 marker, which means not a great lineup to look at. But here's where sometimes things take that leap of faith and say, hitters ballpark, warmer temperatures. What can I get here? If we look at Rodgers, who again is a left-handed pitcher, Kevin, over the last 30 days, he's faced 83 batters from the right-hand side. Those 83 batters, a weighted on base percentage of a 403. So a guy that's not a heavy strikeout guy, maybe a little bit too many walks, you know, he's going to give up some base runners. And I think that's going to be the difference tonight. So if I'm looking from a perspective, do I like the over in the game? Maybe so a little bit, but more of a perspective from the Cincinnati Reds total here. Because mm-hmm. also there was a while where the Marlins were, what, they go three full games without scoring a run. This is a true hitter's ballpark, but I do think Cincinnati can get the Rodgers, particularly with his struggles, Kevin, against right-handed batters over the past 30 days. Yeah, certainly can jump off of the page there. It, just a couple of bad pitchers that have been vulnerable throughout the year and also being in that Cincy ballpark, I know, has to be enticing uh, because <laughs> that Marlins ballpark, they're truly one of the best pitcher uh, stadiums in baseball. We move it over to Braves-Phillies. You know, we didn't get a chance to talk about what happened to the Phils over the weekend like I initially had intended. So we can mix that in momentarily, Donnie. Swept by the Chicago Cubs out of the break. It's about as bad. I don't want to say it's as bad as it gets, but that's a heartbreaking result for the Phillies to start their second half. It's not as bad as it gets. It's as Phillies, Kevin, as it gets. Because you go into Uh. the deadline. Excuse me. You go into the all-star break. You're hot. You say, you know what? Let's take a rest here. You know who you open up against? The Cubs, who haven't swept the team in the attempt. Forget about sweeping teams, right, Kevin? Winning series is tough for the Cubs, who come depleted in roster talent. They smoked the Philadelphia Phillies. I sat there on a hot and muggy Friday night and watched Kyle Schwarber on the first batter of the game for the Phillies side. Go yard, won the nothing. 
This is how you start the second half of the season. And they got pummeled in that game. They got pummeled again Saturday. They lost again. I mean, you just can't get enough of this from the Cubs off. Like the Cubs putting up offense. Come on now. It should be the Phillies. But if we're looking forward for the Philadelphia Phillies the rest of the way, uh, Bryce Harper needs to come back and save them. Nick Castellanos has like one home run in the last 60 days or whatever. Some nonsense here. It's Kyle Schwarber and his like 210 average are booing the Philadelphia Phillies. There's not a lot to love about this team outside of Nola and Wheeler to get hyped up for. And this is a tough series coming up for them. Yeah, Max Freed is, is not the kind of pitcher you're looking oh, to see if you're hoping to stop the bleeding. It is in Philly up against Ranger Suarez. You're dealing with a minus 170 favorite on the FanDuel Sportsbook. Total here is eight and a half. Again, Freed with the ball. This feels like a tough spot to do anything other than to be enticed by the Atlanta Braves. Yeah, if we're looking towards betting this game, now, do you think the Braves will win? Probably. But if you're just looking to go head-to-head with Max Freed versus Ranger Suarez, that's really your indicator here. First five innings, run line here, a minus 120 price as the favorite here for the Braves, which means at the end of five innings, the Braves have to have at least a one-run lead to mm-hmm. catch that ticket. Quite frankly, I think they will. What's the high end here for the Philadelphia Phillies over the first five, first five innings against Freed? One run coming on a solo home run? Because the Phillies certainly haven't shown a propensity here, Kevin, to stack up back-to-back-to-back mm-hmm. hits and have a organic inning underway. It's more of swing for the fence, see if you can hit a home run, and leave it at that. And that's been the Phillies' M.O. for quite some time at this point. But if we're looking for a day-to-day matchup, Suarez has been okay over the past 30 days, but you just trust that Atlanta lineup much more than you do the Philadelphia Phillies. Now, I understand that yesterday the Angels did rack it up against the Atlanta Braves, but they're just a better pedigree team at this point. If I had, let's just say, a healthy Gene Segura, healthy Bryce Harper and, you know, Aaron Nola on the mound. Yeah, this is a different equation that we're going to take a look at, but I just can't trust the Phillies, mm-hmm. even though some of these batters in the lineup, Kevin, over the past 30 days have had some success against left-handed pitching. Veerling, Schwarber, Realmuto, Bohm, and Munoz have done well, but the guys in the middle of that lineup that you're asking to buoy your team, right? Like a Reese Hoskins, an 071 ISO power number, and Nick Castellanos, a zero ISO power number against left-handed pitching over his last 16 at-bats over 30 days. I just, just cannot trust the Philadelphia Phillies and this is one of those series Kevin which you're right you end the break and you sweep the Marlins who you never can beat the good vibes are there you're supposed to take at least two out of three out of the Chicago Cubs and then play the Atlanta. But this is a homestand, Kevin. Like you came up against, you playing the Cubs right after the break. And then the, this is what you circle and say, this is where we make our room. And it just seems like they're sliding back in the standing. So for me, first five run line Atlanta Braves, they should be up one run after five here for me. Yeah, it makes sense. Or, the, you know, that Braves, I'm sure, team total people will take a look at as well. It's a four and a half minus mm-hmm. 120, not the cheapest number, but they've seen Ranger Suarez twice. They have hit him both times uh, to start this season. The weather's a little odd, though, uh, today, at least the early reports I saw there in Philly. So something to keep your eye on. Red Sox Guardians, man, if, I mean, again, if this doesn't speak volumes here, I'm not telling you that Pavetta is life changing or anything of the nature, but uh, just imagine this. A two and seven Zach Plezak is favored in Fenway Park. Like that is where things are right now for the Boston Red Sox. And I don't know who's disagreeing. This Boston team just is a complete mess right now. Total here is a nine and a half. Any juice with this one? Yeah, there is juice with this one. It's a team total, and it's for the Cleveland Guardians at this point here. If we look at Nick Pavetta on the season, not a terrible season underway, but if we just take a look at Kevin, his last 30 days on the mound, an XFIP of over six. 
low strikeout percentage, high walk percentage. And here's the important part here that we see at Fenway over the weekend, small ballpark. It's not going to be as hot as it was over the weekend, low 80s, but still the wind blowing out. And why is that important? Over the last 30 days, take a look at the ground ball percentage for Nick Pavetta. And normally we don't look at these all that much because they're sort of even their way out, but it's at 32%. That means 49% are in the air, 18% are line drives. So that means that ball is cooking. And you say, well, okay, well, how is he getting around that? He's absolutely not getting around it. If you take a look at Pavetta, who's a right-handed pitcher, Kevin, to lefties over the last 30 days, which he's faced 30 batters, a 475 weighted on base percentage coupled with an ISO power number of 391. If you flip it over to the right side, and again, as I said, Nick Pavetta is a right-handed pitcher. 402 weighted on base percentage through 65 batters and a weighted on base percentage of 220. Things aren't getting any easier here for the Boston Red Sox as it looks like they're melting down to the core right now. Rafael Devers will be out of this lineup, obviously on the IL with a hamstring injury. I just think it's a lot of bad mojo in Boston where this could get ugly early and I'm willing to bet that the Garden's going to put up some runs. If they play, there's some rain in the forecast, but if those conditions hold up and they play, 82, 83 degrees at first pitch, wind blowing out to dead center field, bad pitcher on the mound and struggling there's going to be some runs up there in Boston tonight for me and this is where I try and tell people the strikeout props it's never just the projections to me because Pavetta at four and a half plus money yeah that lines up the Guardians never strike out Pavetta's got a 13 ERA over the in the month of July he just saw the Guardians actually not that long ago in June seven innings did not strike out five and Donnie's targeting him I got a pass that's the only that's Uh-oh. the only approach there and look for other spots then throughout this strikeout prop board or anywhere else on the board as it pertains to what the Major League Baseball slate is offering. It's also giving us a game uh, in Milwaukee up against the Colorado Rockies an eight and a half total near minus 200 favorite against Freeland. So it's a big Milwaukee number here. That run line is just, you know, kind of flat pick them mostly. Minus 104 in Milwaukee. I'm sure some people maybe would want to line that up here. What are you doing with Brewers Rockies? Yeah, Ashby, good young pitcher, but I think that minus 196 might be a little bit too high. If we take a look at the seasonal standings here uh, for their young pitcher, Ashby, expert number, Kevin, around 375, which is very good. Strikeout percentage, 27%. Walks a little bit of guys, but he does manage to work his way around lefty and righty batters. But the key indicator here is that we don't care, right, how he did in April and May at this point. We're post-All-Star break midsummer. Let's take a look at his last 30 days or so. That exit that was like a 3.75 now turns into a 4.75, Kevin. Lefty batters, which he's faced 17 of. And keep in mind, Ashby is a left-handed pitcher, a 371 weighted on base percentage, and an ISO power number of 333. Right-handed batters, 49 he's faced, Kevin, a 372 weighted on base percentage, and an ISO power number of 178. And if we take a look at that Rockies lineup, they've done very well this year against left-handed pitching. Anticipated coming into tonight, ISO power numbers, one, two, three, four, five guys out of nine elevated over that 175. I think it might be a sneaky team total here on the Colorado Rockies. Then to also keep in mind yesterday, mm. Hater did pitch late in that game. So maybe if they don't use Hater back-to-back, that sort of stymies that bullpen a little bit. But maybe a sneaky play. Well, Colorado outside of Colorado, always an interesting bet to have. But I think mm-hmm. it makes a little bit of sense with Ashby leaking a little bit of oil from what he was doing earlier in the season. Not bad. And and as you mentioned, being outside of Colorado, though, if it hampers the lineup a bit, Kyle Freeland, you know, those you know, poor splits are there. He's been a bit better True. on the road. If you wanted to try other options, the first five, that run line there, you got a half run at plus 116 
on the Rockies there, tied or winning. Certainly the kind of things that you can keep in range. There's a lot more to get um, to for this baseball slate. The Giants really need a break out of a slump that they've been in there. And the Astros and Dodgers are set up for series where they are going to be big favorites throughout. A lot more for us to break down, but we take a quick break right here on Sports Grid. This is the early line on a Monday morning. We'll be right back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. NL West we go where you have the Arizona Diamondbacks playing host to the San Francisco Giants. And again, this is a Giants team that really needs to turn this thing around. We talk about the Red Sox and how bad things are going. It's really not much better in San Francisco. They have 48 and 47 just swept by the Los Angeles Dodgers. And they've got an opportunity, though, to turn it around against these Arizona Diamondbacks. They're on the road, but favored. But minus 130 total here right now. Checks in at a nine. Gilbert Eunice, where's the value? Yeah, let's take a look at Tyler Gilbert here for Arizona. I'm also leaning towards an over in this game, which is usually interesting with the San Francisco Giants. But anytime they're outside of San Francisco, I certainly think it gives that offensive production a bump. But if you look at Gilbert on the season, Kevin, an XFIP number, excuse me, an XFIP minus number of a 132, an ERA of above five, an XFIP himself of 5.32, and a 5.20 Sierra number. That sounds like he's ready to get lit up. Now, the interesting part about this is overall, because if we take a look at his 30-day tracker, his XFIP is off the charts horrendous. How about this? He's faced 56 batters, Kevin, over the last 30 days. His strikeout percentage is at 7%. His walk percentage only 5%, which means balls in play usually leads to good situations here. Now, the interesting part about this is we're sort of on the waiting for him to get lit up. And why I say that is if we look at his plate appearances here that he's going up against lefties and righties for the splits, Gilbert's a lefty against lefties, Kevin, 13 batters he's faced. He's only a 321 weighted on base percentage, which 325 or higher is that marker that you want, excuse me, 325 or lower for a pitcher is where you want to be. To righties, Kevin, how about this? A 218 weighted on base percentage. It's almost like it doesn't match up where he's due to get smoked, and tonight just might be that night. Now, if we also take a look at who's pitching here for the San Francisco Giants, Jacob Junis here. How about that on the mound here for the Giants tonight? But also, when you take a look at right-handed pitchers going up against Arizona, what's always fascinating, how many lefties the Arizona Diamondbacks can stack against a right-handed pitcher. They're going to do it again tonight. It looks like only two batters in the lineup which is Kelly and Walker that are going to be right-handed batters. The rest will be lefties. I would lean towards an over tonight, Kevin, in the desert. Yeah, something to take a look at there. Obviously interesting with those recent numbers on Gilbert. He's got some very strong home road splits if you're someone who does believe in that on this season. But at the end of the day, when you hear those XFIP numbers, for those that aren't you know intimate uh, or too familiar with those, it's just – and, and maybe everything kind of in recent times doesn't line up exactly like that. You're almost mm -hmm. due to kind of see that explosion come in, and it could happen here against San Francisco. The Astros are looking to stay hot up against the Athletic. You know, here's the interesting thing, right? I almost – because we're going to do these individually in a minute with Dodgers Nationals DRS. But you're going to yeah. have Astros Athletics – 
and Dodgers Nationals going on simultaneously. And I'm not telling you that this is the wisest decision, but I will admit to you it is a bit tempting to just slap those two favorites in a money line parlay and let the thing ride. Now, again, I know that is usually asking for trouble, but just for example, today, minus 119 on a money line parlay for the Dodgers and the Astros. It it can feel too good to be true, and it usually is, but you just for these two to be operating at the same time against the two, may, for some people, the two best teams in baseball are lined up simultaneously against the two worst teams in Major League Baseball. Yeah, let's have some fun with this because you're right. This screams the Oakland Athletics and Houston Astros tied at one in the bottom of the eighth inning, doesn't it? With mm -hmm. the Athletics with two guys on and ready to score to take the lead here. This is what it screams. It shouldn't be like that because this should be a blowout. If we take a look at the card today, I got 24 pitchers, Kevin, that I have ranked here with at least 20 innings here over the 2022 season. And quite frankly, it, there's pretty disparaging here. The number one guy on the card, XFIP minus number, which takes everything into account, analytics, home ballpark, you know, who you're playing up against, a 79 for Freed. He's the best. The worst on the card is Adam Euler at a 167. Like almost absolutely off the charts to be graded. And that's why I joke, this screams the Astros with one run in the bottom of the eighth inning. Why? Because if you look at Euler's ERA in 8.56 on the season, his fifth number, which is the true level of balls leaving the yard, a 7.91. Keep in mind, anything less than a four is good. He's at a 7.91. X fifth number, anything above a five is disaster mode, 6.61. A Sierra number, if you're over five, which means you can't do anything right, a 6.01. So I'm not even looking at it from a side of, Who's pitching for Houston? Who's batting for the athletics? This is just singly saying, okay, you're in the ultimate pitcher's ballpark. I understand that in Oakland, where you get a couple cheap outs a game just being in foul territory because it's so expansive. But I can't in my right mind look at this game and say to myself, either A, the Astros won't win, or B, the Astros won't put up five. Because the only thing I can fathom is they just fell asleep. Boy, we played the Yankees in a playoff atmosphere. We went up to play the Mariners. And boy, did you see that series with how many people they put in the seats? Now you go to Oakland where there's three people in the seats, and you're expected to dominate them, which they should. But the joke is, one run in the eighth inning. Don't make that happen tonight. The Astros should win and win easy and score tonight on Adam Wheeler. The thing that is fantastic is Wheeler's last performance was in Houston, yes. a part of a 4-3 athletics victory uh -huh. in a game that Jake Odorizzi started. So, again, it's yes. one of those things where it feels too good to be true, it is, but if you separate them and say, well, then figure it out, it's not that easy because if the Astros, look, if the Astros feel like they make sense, you tell me, Donnie, Tony Gonsolin's got the ball against the Washington Nationals at a slight minus 330 price. I mean, what do we, Where? how do you even go about this? Games like this, I will say all year long, I have been fascinated at when you can get a team plus two and a half runs. The Nationals, it's minus 136. I do think it kind of shows, despite the fact that, you know, if you ask most people for a scoreline prediction, right, 
7-2, whatever it might be, it is still expensive to lay or to rather get two and a half runs here with Washington. What are you doing with Dodgers Nats? Yeah, usually when we see this, Kevin, these high money line numbers, you try to look for, you know, outside ways to win. You could take a run line here, but more likely it's usually the team total of the Dodgers that you would be looking at because if they win and win by margin, it's a pretty good chance they don't beat the Washington Nationals three to one if you get my drift. More like a five to one or a seven to two or an eight to three type of situation because when you match these two teams up, what's not to like about the Dodgers? We talk about the one through nine lineup. It is ridiculous. And tonight, lining up against a right handed pitcher, if we we look at the estimated line of only two guys, Muncie and Bellinger, who Bellinger's always below the line where I guess they're hoping he just cracks out of it because tonight looks like he's due up in the eight hole. Imagine that. Like you have an MVP, but you have the room on your roster to say, you know what? Just go figure it out. And if we catch lightning in a bottle again with Bellinger in the eight and nine hole, whatever we get from him is going to be a plus. But everybody else, Kevin, weighted on base percentage, extremely high over 341. K percentage, extremely low. One of the best teams in Major League Baseball, Kevin, at working walks, the Los Angeles Dodgers. They have, what, one, two, three, four, five, seven guys around 10% or higher in walking. So if they're getting base hits and just getting on base, that creates traffic. And what are the Nationals playing for right now? I mean, more likely to move Juan Soto in this series than actually win a game overall against these Dodgers. It just looks too easy to be true. And maybe it is. And your point saying to yourselves, the Houston Astros and the Dodgers, which one loses? And your answer is, what? It's a parlay. Of course it loses because one of these teams will not show up. Like the Dodgers get beat three to one by the Nationals. The uh, the Athletics two to one over the Angel, or, or excuse me, over the Astros. That would be hilarious mm-hmm. to try to watch that play out. I just can't see it happening here between these two ball clubs. It should be a runaway easy win, but again. Are we really laying a three-to-one price here in a straight-up ball game? Probably not. Look for other ways in the Dodgers. Over eight at-bats, which is all they should need tonight, they should be able to get at least five runs. Yeah, you would anticipate that. The interesting things, though, I wanted to mention, obviously, going into this series. The primary one is Juan Soto. I'll get to that in just a second. But Gonsolin, Donnie, for largely the entire season, was untouchable, right? Right before his last start before the break, a 1-6-2 ERA, 11-0 as a starter. Now, he's still 11-0. That last outing against St. Louis, five innings, seven hits, five earned runs. It was a bad performance for Gonsolin. And then he was the guy who was lit up in the All-Star game. I'm Mm. not any, when you're going through the numbers, any hesitation on Gonsolin. I mean, minus 330 obviously, is a massive ace-level price there. Any hesitation, because the last six innings of baseball when I factor in the All-Star game, I have not seen him look all that great. He he should be rested, but it's also one of those teams, Kevin, that you look at to yourself. It's okay. They can throw some left-handed batters against you, the Nationals, but it's Juan Soto, it's Josh Bell, and it's nobody else in this roster. What about Nelson Cruz? Nelson Cruz has been absolutely terrible this year. One of those signings in the offseason, they say, hey, you know what? That makes a lot of sense for Washington. Get that big veteran stick in the middle of the lineup. It certainly hasn't worked out. And I wouldn't be surprised if they piecemeal him off over the next week, week and a half before the deadline just for some middling prospect just to save on some salary cap for the second half of the season. But if I'm looking from a pitcher's perspective, if I did struggle my last start out, and I struggled a little bit in the All-Star game, I'm probably more rested and ready now because I didn't throw all that many pitches in the All-Star game. And again, it's the Nationals, and you're at home. If this is a get-right situation, if I've ever seen one for Gonsolin, this is it, Kevin. Yeah, certainly so. Here's the other storyline to follow. Juan Soto. What, what do we? 
like two plus bases off the narrative, give me a home run prop, or like, are we reading into body language throughout this series? You know he's going to get a standing ovation, by the way. The Dodgers fans (laughs) during the All-Star game were chanting future Dodger at him. Like, just the thought process around Soto, maybe we're not, you know, making actionable moves on it there, but, but... like, of all the teams he could be playing, this is on the short list of, like, what a perfect series for Soto before he is assumingly eventually moved on from. Yes, and also the moved on from is the key word there. How about for Juan Soto in his mindset right now, knowing that any moment he could be traded, that's certainly going to mess with your preparation and plans. Now, he's a great competitor and a sensational baseball player, but you're right. He's not in Minnesota tonight, Kevin, right? He's not in Tampa Bay where it's like, we're not trading for this guy. We're not even in the rumors. You're in Los Angeles where they're like going to roll out the red carpet for him once again, where when he's just playing, you know, throwing baseballs in center field just to get his arm warm. He's got people screaming from the bleachers, come on, force to trade. I mean, it's going to be in the back of his mind the entire way. And sure, he does want to perform, but maybe trying to overperform and wow the Dodgers crowd, could that creep into it? I don't know. But if I'm Soto, I want this over sooner than later. And how about if he just walks across locker room to locker room when the deal gets done this week? Yeah, but speaking of walking locker room to locker room, so of course now I go look at what's coming up for the Nats right now. They're going home after the Dodgers series, but who comes to Washington? The St. Louis Cardinals. I mean, Uh, you got to be kidding me there. It's as perfect as can be. And then if you really want to factor it in, after St. Louis, it is the New York Mets. It's just consecutive games against teams that we know are constantly calling the Nationals on this Juan Soto situation. It's one of the main things that we are going to be following. A lot of baseball today for you to be following there. The Mariners look to get right against Texas as well. Syndergaard has the ball against Zach Ranke, so plenty of action for you to sink your teeth into. We'll also have you covered on Moneyline. Any updates that will come throughout the day, that's 1 p.m. Eastern start time on Sports Grid Radio. But before you go anywhere, on the right side of Alaska to listen up. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right, last segment of the day here for the early line for July 25th, 2022. And why I say that is, it is football season. Hey, look, we carried you through from 7 to 9 a.m., talked a lot of different things. NBA trade market, Major League Baseball, where's Juan Soto going to go, and certainly some of the shape-ups here of the AL MVP, NL MVP, who's going to win divisions. That's all fine and good. But you know what the most fun part of the summer is? That turnover. And not the turnover chain for the Miami Hurricanes that they're retiring. The turnover here to football season. I can't wait to get this started. So, people, listen up. I love it. It's like a kid in a candy store. It's like Christmas Eve, New Year's Eve, everything wrapped up all into one. Why? You know me. I'm a beloved, my beloved Philadelphia Eagles heading to camp where everybody will be in training camp this week, full rosters ready to go. It's the signal that football season is here. And just in what, maybe two short weeks, 
We have preseason football with the Hall of Fame game, and off we go into the regular season of football. Opening night, Thursday night, all the pageantry from Los Angeles with the Buffalo Bills and the Los Angeles Rams. My goodness, I cannot wait for this to happen. But also, let's keep in mind, a lot of things are going to change right now, including odds and perspective over the next month. You can hear a lot of good stuff at a training camp and also a lot of bad stuff. Who's not performing? Who's performing well? Who's looking to step up? Who's going to get cut? And also, who's still going to get paid? Lamar Jackson showing up to training camp here for the Baltimore Ravens, expecting to get $15 million a year. How about good old DK Metcalf out in the Pacific Northwest in Seattle? He's still waiting for his money also. My goodness, it all starts now because today on the East Coast, hot and heavy degrees. 85, 90 degrees. These guys are going to sweat it out. But also, as handicappers and people who just love the NFL, we're going to sweat out the next 30 days as well in anticipation for what's going to take place. And all of a sudden, before you can blink, it's going to be Super Bowl Sunday and the season will be over. Enjoy the ride. It seems like we have so long to go before the regular season opens up. But before you know it, in the blink of an eye, it'll be here. Stay tuned right now. You're in the Switch Network. Just for NFL and more.